0: Hey guys, we're about to get kicked off with today's episode of the Mind Your Own Dog Biz Podcast. I'm excited for this episode, but first, I wanted to officially announce something. Dog Biz School is opening its doors for 2021 enrollment. Our coaching team has been getting ready behind the scenes to have one of the most powerful, powerful coaching years for 2021. You thought we did big things for 2020? You have no idea what we have up our little sleeves, well, big sleeves for 2021 and for all of our incredible dog business owners. The thing is, we only open our doors a few times a year, and I wanted to make sure I gave all of my listeners an opportunity to learn a little bit more about it, to apply to it. And even if you apply, it's no obligation. This way, you can talk with one of our program advisors, see if it's going to be a fit. Because no matter what's in store for 2021, you can be prepared and ready with your dog business. It doesn't matter if you're a dog trainer, a pet sitter, a groomer, because our team of coaches have your backs and we're ready to lead you no matter what happens, no matter if there's another pandemic, no matter if there's a crazy economic crash, we got you. And the most beautiful thing that I personally love, and I know it's gonna be very, very important to a lot of my listeners, is when you work with dog business school, there's not more of a sacrifice. And when I talk about sacrifice, more time, more work on your plate as a busy dog uh, business owner. The deal is we want you to be wealthy, not only with money in the bank naturally, but also with your time, your energy, and your empowerment to live a life that you truly love and actually have a business that works for you, for you not to be stuck working in your business consistently. Because that that's that's not cool. You don't want to do that's That's unsustainable. So Dog bus School is your place. This is where smart as F... Dog trainers and dog business owners go to get educated, make some bold ass moves and shifts in their business, and create lasting wealth. Plus, what's really excited too is our groundbreaking accreditation program is included in Dog Biz School, which is going to be launching extremely soon. So, if you are interested, what you can do is go to www.dogbiz, that's D O G B is in boy, I Z is in zebra, 2021.com. So, that's dogbiz2021.com. And you can apply. Like I said, it's a non-obligated application. You can speak to one of our, our program advisors, see if it's a good fit. If it's not, that's totally cool. But I wanted to give every single one of you guys the opportunity if you've ever wondered what it would be working like with one of our team members. It's an incredible opportunity. And I encourage all of you guys that you've ever been interested in working with one of us to hop on this opportunity because we might actually not even be opening up till maybe Q3 of 2021. So, dogbiz2021.com. And I'll catch you on the other side. You're listening to the Mind Your Own Dog Business Podcast. I'm your host, leading expert in dog business strategist, Kristen Lee. Guys, get ready for your journey, your journey to cutting edge marketing and sales, creating a standout kick-ass dog business brand, along with mastering your mindset that's going to smash all those glass ceilings that have been holding you back and catapult your dog business to the next level with actionable steps you can take right away. We're going to empower you. We're going to grow you as you step into your authentic self, not only as a dog trainer, dog walker, or whatever slice of the pet industry you find yourself in, but as that badass entrepreneur. My mission is to disrupt the current norm cut through the noise, cut through the bullshit, and empower the incredible women of the dog business industry to step into the spotlight, reclaim control, and transform not only their businesses, but their lives. It's real, it's raw, it's uncensored, and it's what this dog business industry needs. Let's do this, guys. Hey everybody! Welcome to today's episode of the Mind Your Own Dog Biz Podcast, and today I have a very, very special guest, Mister Charles White. Hello. He, hello, Charles. Well, hello. He, He's like, ah, I want to talk already. Um, <laughs> he is a gentleman of many amazing talents, especially when it comes to business credit, to wealth creation, and financial education. This, uh, Charles has saved my bacon many times. Um, he is somebody that I fully trust because <laughs> he can destroy me with one click of a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But he's somebody that grassroots highly trust. He's been managing portfolios for many years. And just guys that are listening to this, it might sound like it might be a boring topic, but I can tell you right now, it's one topic that every single one of you guys, especially as entrepreneurs need to be listening to. So Charles officially welcome. I know you're a very busy man.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I am. And uh, thank you so much for having me today. I really do appreciate it.
0: Awesome. So Charles, um, you're going to break it down for everybody pretty in simplistic steps to give uh, the dog trainers and dog walkers and pet sitters, just basic some finance stuff and just start to get their financial education around it. Because I, you know, when I, me and you first talked God, years ago and I was like, "Oh, oh my God, I'm in a hot mess express right now. And You were literally like the calming words of God. Like when I was flipping out about like my quarter million dollars in like student loans and debt. you're like, no, Kristen, this is all you have to do. The world's not over. And then you being able to help me with the business finances, business credits, and everything that you did with Maggie on the work on that, like, I'm just so happy that you're here. So yeah, I mean, guys, be prepared to have your mind blown. This is going to be
1: incredible. <laughs> I try not to do that too often, but I, I really like people and I really want to help people. And I just like to start off by just giving some of my background first. Um, Absolutely. So that people know how my mind thinks. Um, I have my BS in physics. I was going for two degrees in um, school. I went to Morehouse College as well as uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, dropped down the engineering program. Um, I'm only a few grads short before I get my degree in mathematics. Uh, was hired by IBM. IBM placed me in Seattle, Washington, Uh, worked for a division there called Rome. Uh, Rome was telecommunications equipment. Left there, uh, worked on Pacific Stock Exchange at the time, uh, Hopkins Harbuck. Uh, Left there after a while, then went down to work, started working at a PageNet, which is, I don't know if you guys remember pages from a long time ago, then started working at AT AT&T, and that's where the story starts. Uh, while working at AT&T, I came across an ad. The ad said, get $300,000 in business credit for only $10,000. So I said, wow, I would love to get that so I'd get my business started. So I got the $10,000 together, um, sent the money in, waited, waited, and waited, called the company, Mr. White's coming in, checked all the references. Long story short, never received any of my money. And um, when that happened, um, I went online to research the company. And I came across an FBI like issue or something for this company. It was out in Minneapolis. So I called them. Uh, they gave me the number for the FBI agent in Long Beach, California. I went and met with her. I gave her all my emails and information. And she basically said, Charles, you'll never see your money again. Now, they did arrest the guy. Um, that's a whole other story. But when this happened to me, it really broke me down because, number one, I worked in corporate America. I thought I was a smart guy. I said, well, how could this happen to me? How does credit really work then? And so I told my friend about the story that happened to me. His name is James Persley. So every single day for a year, we try to figure out how credit works. And when I say how we broke it down, um, I use like mathematics and physics, you know, with cause and effect. So um, I would call Visa, NASCAR, American Express, call different banks. I would research um, white papers at colleges and universities. And those are basically studies on uh, credit and how it works. Um, Research Federal Reserve. Uh, reached, reached out to Basel. Basel is a regulatory body over the central banks around the world. Um, I researched uh, face-to-face with different banks, um, bank officers, vice president, commercial loan officers. I got uh, inside information from Visa Corporation, um, as well as other corporation about how credit works. And then every, After about a year, um, I, we collected over, over 100,000 pages of information. Um, after that time, we had to make sure that it worked. So we got some business owners and said, hey, we want to do this for you for free. We want to give you some information about credit to see that it works. So they went out there and they got hundreds of thousands of dollars in lines of credit in a very short period of time. Mm. Well, at that time, I was kind of burned out because I was just, I was so frustrated over what had happened to me. Uh, James went on and started his company. He does over about $40 million a year just based off of credit. I came back to Portland and I started Corporate Credit Builders and I reached out to small business owners, helping them build their credit. And I've had great success, gotten people millions and millions of dollars and lines of credit, uh, as well as getting other information. I worked with the state of Oregon, uh, worked with the IRS, which put on the Oregon Small Business Fair for over eight years. And so I know how credit works. I can tell you the insights and everything else about credit. And I'll try to always keep it high level because I can get down to the weeds about everything. but. It's never as bad as people think it is. The only problem is that most people in this country have never been educated about credit. And they think that uh, credit is an evil thing and credit is not an evil thing. It's just a tool to get from one point to another. And like any tool, like a chainsaw, you just don't know how to use it, you know.
0: Um, I always, I, it's so funny because I remember calling you like six weeks ago when I was at the car dealership and I'm like, they're trying to pull something on me about my credit report. They're like, you're like, what do you need? We can take it off right now. And everybody's like around me looking and they're like, you can actually do that. I'm like, yeah, Charles can do anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can (laughs) be quiet about that, please. (laughs) No, it's, uh, it's really understanding, um, just credit this, for your listeners, I also clean credit reports. And I didn't mention that. I've been cleaning credit reports since 2003. And what we do with the credit reports, instead of just writing and talking to their customer service, I only deal with the attorneys. So I deal with the attorneys with Exper- Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, Innovus, and a bunch of other firms. And that's all I deal with is attorneys because they understand law, and that's all they respond to is law. They don't mm-hmm. respond to often your reasonings or your fault. No. I just deal with law. And that's a whole nother issue, but that's how I get things off is just using
0: the law. Yeah. And what I love when I, you know what I really enjoy our conversations to Charles, when we speak about finances and we speak about big you know sums of money is when, and I want my listeners to really understand this. Like these are all, like, as Charles approaches it, it's a non-emotional data point. It's like when you look at big numbers finances credit it's like we have to take an, a non-emotional look at it and like be really real that's the only way we're going to make advancements and progress on it so
1: no i, I think like 110 yeah. the saddest thing that i see um i'm just gonna be 100 real because I, I i'm going through my mind all these stories of people that i've helped is that you never want to take the family's money and put it into a business mm-hmm. now taking one a thousand two thousand dollars or so if that's all you had that's one thing but for someone to sit down hey i'm going to take you know, $50,000, $100,000 of her and her money and put into a business, it's almost like a cruel thing because you don't know if it's going to work out or not. See, here's the thing about with credit. Let's say that I have $100,000. I can use that 100000 to leverage up to, let's say, $300,000. So let's say that I do take the 300000 and I use it. And let's say the business doesn't do well. Or let's say it goes to the toilet. Mm-hmm. I still have retention of my $100,000. Now all I have to do To start negotiating with my creditors and paying the money back, and most of them will negotiate with you. They'll say, "Hey, you know, business didn't happen. I can't pay you all right now, but I can do a thousand a month, you know. And after I get a thousand, I can do two thousand, and I'll eventually pay you back, and then we can negotiate a settlement, you know. Because the last thing I want to see with a business is a man or wife lose her husband or wife, you know." in a business situation, or have the family split up, or have there be a lot of hard feelings around the family, um, they, it's a hard thing to take money and lose it. It really is because once that money is gone, guess what it is gone? It's not mm-hmm. coming back. And now your partner is looking at you like you're Boo Boo the Fool because you took a hundred thousand dollars of the family's money and put it into a business, and now a real emergency emergency comes up. You don't have the cash for it, and now what? You're stuck. And a lot of people, especially the pandemic, came out. Guess what happened to a lot of people? They had no cash. Mm -hmm. Guess what? They're stuck. They really are stuck because now they can't borrow any money because a lot of people, oh, I don't believe in borrowing money. Okay, well, fine. Use your savings. But now the pandemic comes out your savings went out. Now what? You don't have a history. No one trusts you because you don't have a history. So what do you do now? Like a lot of businesses, you got to close down. You can't even pivot to a new business. You have to close down. Mm. You had employees, you got to let them go. That's just the reality of it. So I believe in building a strong financial structure that no matter what happens, uh, you can stand out on top. Because keep in mind, your creditors will always negotiate with you. Believe that. They will always negotiate with you. I don't care if you're a country like Argentina, if you're a big you know, a company that just went under or is close to going under, like JCPenney just got taken over. They went through bankruptcy, but a lot of people still got money from that. Uh, if you're a single, you know, Small business. If you say, "Look, the business is going well. I want to negotiate my debts," they'll negotiate with you. That's just how life works. Hoping mm-hmm. I'm talking
0: too much, am I? No, 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 no. <laughs> and the only thing I do want to add in, just because I know there's some people that already have like a negative mindset to it, what Charles is saying, and I want to be very clear on this, is not going out having millions of dollars or hundreds of thousand of dollars of business credit and then defaulting on it, and then saying, "Oh, well, I can negotiate." This, this is it's not what we're saying. We're saying build that strong background, that financial portfolio of business credit where you have that as a lifeline if you do need it. You know what I mean? Like Exactly, so just, exactly. Yeah, because, because yep, go ahead.
1: Also, also too, the second point that I was going to make and I should have mentioned too, is also making sure that you have a, a strong cash flow as well. Yes. So, because I've had a lot of, and let me tell you the story. I had a lot of people when I was first doing this. I didn't know a lot of this stuff when I was first doing it at all. It was all brand new to me but I was having success at it. Well, I had customers come to me and says, well, Charles, you know, I want to build, you know, 200,000. Here's some money. I said, oh, I'll help you do it. We get it up. And all of a sudden they use all the credit lines and they don't want to pay the money back. I'm like, you crook, what are you doing? You know, (laughs) but, (laughs) but this is what, but that was their whole motive in the first place. They never had planned on building a real company. I like to help even now. I don't want to deal with someone who doesn't have a real company. Because you need cash flow in order to pay the money back. What I'm saying is not to borrow and not pay back. No, you borrow and pay back. Also, Mm -hmm. what I'm saying is that you don't want to use the family's money, though, because if you don't have anything to borrow, you use the family money. And often I see this, the money is gone. Now the marriage is broken up. Now, you know, the family's falling apart. And that's a horrible thing. I would rather lose money all day long, not lose my family, though. That's not going to happen. But if there's a way where I can borrow money, build my strong financial credit, I can um, use my cash flow in order to pay down my debts, I'll go ahead and do that. As long as I have my uh, nest egg I'm sitting on, I'm good because you can always negotiate from a a position of strength with a nest egg. Once Mm -hmm. the nest egg is gone, it's gone. And I'm sorry. You just don't have anything.
0: Yeah, man. Well. Cash flow is definitely king. And of course, I know we've had this conversation before. What does that mean? AKA sales. (laughs) People are like,
1: "Ah, (laughs) you
0: knew I was going to do that one, right?
1: Yes, yes, yes. Because I've been in sales and I've been in sales for a long time. In fact, over 20 years of working with small business owners. So, and this is outside of corporate credit. This is where just knocking on doors, cold calling, face-to-face cold calling, those kind of sales. I've done that for a long, long time. In fact, I also used to do door-to-door sales. I don't know if you knew that.
0: That makes you a really good salesperson, by the way,
1: doing door-to-door sales. (laughs) You're talking about breaking down paradigms and how you feel about yourself. That all goes out the window. You knock on the door, you don't know. I've had dogs run out at me. I mean,
0: oh. (laughs) So being somebody who enjoys me, because, you know, definitely I'm in sales. I actually will if the person's good and they come to my door, I will mm-hmm. respectfully listen to the pitch just because I appreciate the courage that it took for them to actually hit the doorbell. <laughs> so I'm usually like, I'm like, yeah, if besides being, you know, somebody who's like doing political or whatever, but like if a salesperson comes to my door, I actually give them the light of the day because I actually enjoy being salted to too. So. Uh,
1: well, you know, something, um, I appreciate that as a former salesperson, I had a knock on a lot of doors where some people wouldn't open the door for me. Um, I just had some real scary incidents happen to me because you go to these strange doors and you're just knocking. But at the end of the day, you have to make a sale. Mm-hmm. So either the fear wins out or you're just going to go through the action. And often I had to turn off my mind. Just, I'm just going to go through the action. I don't care. Yeah. And then go to my spiel. If they like it or not, guess what? I accomplished something. I went to that door and I sold something or I made the attempt to sell something.
0: Absolutely. It's a whole non-emotional attachment to selling. That's what I call it
1: as. It has to be. It has
0: to be. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's, I'm going to get off topic really quickly, too. That's where I feel like a lot of people really start to trip up, like in their own sales processes, like when they get so, because it goes back to money again, the whole survival mechanism of money. So it's like they put all this pressure on themselves to make money because they don't have the cash. So they start to avoid the sales because they want to be, they don't want to be rejected, too. So that's, that's a whole other topic that, you know, have those conversations. It works in
1: every industry, though. Yeah. There's not an industry that doesn't have a salesperson.
0: Exactly.
1: You know how do you so, think Facebook started out? They still had have that have yeah. salesperson to go out
0: and sell ads. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Facebook's a freaking business. That's how that's how he bootstrapped, and then he got his venture. You know, his cash, and so super quick. Um, mm-hmm. I'm looking at the notes. So you have something about a two-year secret in business: fiscal versus calendar. Can you talk yeah, a little bit about I want, that?
1: I want to tell people I I, I, can, I can how do you say it's a nice way. I learned so many things in building business credit that I didn't know because we talked about sales going door to door. Well, I had to do that with some banks, really knock on the door and just blatantly ask them some hard questions because there a lot of things I didn't understand about, you know, when you see a two-year corporation and do you get credit here, but basically what they're asking for, they're after talking about fiscal years. So whenever you see something that says a two-year, um, have you been incorporated for at least two years? You're talking about two fiscal years, not calendar years. A lot of people don't understand that. A fiscal year is any year in which you did business. Here's an example. Let's say that I incorporated um, this year, uh, let's say in October of this year, 2020. I do business in October, November, December. I close out my calendar year in December. Okay. So that's one year. That's one fiscal year. My second year fiscal year starts January 1st, 2021. Therefore, if I apply for something and they said, have you been in business two years? I say, yes. But I let them know my fiscal year was in 2020 and my second fiscal year is this year. It's not a calendar year. It's a fiscal year. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I feel like people get intimidated when they see like how many years in business. And if it's like we go on the fiscal, it's, yeah, that's huge.
1: Well, that's important because that's what banks and other financial institutions understand to be. Um, if you're talking about government contracts, which is a little bit different, they do often want to see two complete years. But then again, you can talk to the, um, the administrator of that contract to find out for sure. Because if they say two fiscal years, you may be fine. And the reason why I mention this is because a lot of people try to get into fraud when they don't have two calendar years. Uh, a lot of contracts, government contracts, require two years and like well i don't have two years therefore let me go buy a shell corporation that has at least two years old and then i'll try to apply with that shell corporation um, which is kind of like a dishonest way of doing things instead of just Mm -hmm. talking to the contractor is it okay if i'm a startup or is it okay that i use two fiscal years yes or no they'll give you the answer
0: gotcha so much see i'm even learning stuff on this one so (laughs) i'm like yeah i always learn something from charles i always learn something from charles and then i go yell i go yell at my husband to go implement this thing too i'm like yes i do Now i'm gonna do
1: it so did you get the information i gave to you earlier about the gold
0: yeah he's still he's he's like angry pouting penguin he's like no (laughs) he's like no you're not touching it i'm like okay okay okay
1: no more to say about
0: that. Then. But then I was like, "Yeah, he's he's proud of you for having the smaller denominations." He's like, "Yeah, the strip club money." So we
1: okay, it.
0: <laughs> just it's a joke, guys. It's a joke. Everybody, calm down. It's a joke. My husband's old. My husband, guy. Just to give you guys a heads up, my husband's old school uh, North, North Jersey, Italy when it comes to the money. So if there's money under the mattress, there would be money under the mattress. If I allowed him to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Charles, can you start to tell the dog trainers and dog walkers and pet sitters on here? Like how can they start setting up their business for maximum credit? Like what are some of the beginning processes?
1: I'm more than happy to tell you that and show you how to do it. And, uh, thank you for tell- I was just asking about that. Um, Here's how I usually take most of my clients. Uh, So, the first thing we do is that we have to decide where you're going to incorporate. The reason why I incorporate is that if you're a real business, you're doing real things and you want to be taken seriously. No one, and this is kind of a hard thing to say, but if you've been in business for longer than a year, they really don't take sole proprietorships uh, seriously, nor do they really take partnerships seriously because financial institutions and other people figure that if you've been in business for a year, you're smart enough, to, number one, to generate capital, but number two, you should have been smart enough to either hire someone or protect yourself. That's why you incorporate, it's really, to protect your company, protect your trademarks, protect any type of things that type of patterns of way of you doing business, okay? So I always suggest that we incorporate. Uh, you can go through LegalZoom.com to help if you don't want to do it yourself, or you can just go to Secretary of State's office. Usually it's sos.yourstate.gov, uh, um, and you can pull up there. There's a phone number there and they can walk you right through to how to do it. Most states only should about $100 or so, maybe $150 at the most uh, to incorporate. Uh, I would either do, to be taken most seriously, a C corporation. Um, C corporate, they talk about double taxation, but you want a C corp because you're going to be taken more seriously uh, even if you do, before if you do an S corp or an LLC. However, I want to preface it by saying, please talk to an attorney to make sure that it fits your situation the best. I don't want to be giving out um, tax advice or any type of uh, legal advice, uh, but this is something that I do. Uh, So I just want to make sure we're clear on that. So always contact your attorney or contact your accountant for more specific information. Uh, The next thing you want to do is a proper NICS code. I don't know if you know what that means, but it stands for North American Identification Classification System. Came out in 1977, one or two. It was an upgrade to the SIC code, which stands for Standard Industrialization Code. This is very, very, very important. The reason why is that it goes back to historical information about your company. So no matter what you're doing, other people have done the same thing also, and they left a trail record of their their mistakes and failures. And guess with who? With the U.S. government. Because the U.S. government collects all this data, and they collect it through one of the biggest repositories, which is the IRS. So with the NICS code, the proper one, if you're applying for business credit, you want to make sure that you have the proper NICS code. You can find this at census.gov, again, census.gov, or you can Google it and just Google um, directory of NICS codes, and you can look it up from there. But that's very, very important. Um, The next thing I mentioned, uh, C Corp has corporate LLC, which is a liability company. The Next was your EIN number. This is very important too, because EIN number serves as a social security type number for your corporation. Your corporation is is recognized as a separate entity from you. You don't own the corporation. You work for the corporation. um, Because with the EIN number, they need to classify that corporation some way. Uh, the EIN number, you'll able to spend $100 for it. You can get it for free. Your tax dollars will be paid for it. It's called ss 4 at irs.gov, and that's an EIN number. The next thing you want to get, uh, you want to establish, and I've done this many times with many of my clients, is that if you're going to get larger lines of credit, at some point you have to be in a commercial area. That's just You can start out in a residential area, but you're going to have to grow to a commercial area. Now, why would you say that? Uh, Well, on the back end, a lot of the data has been collected, you don't find a lot of million dollars, half million dollar companies that are in the middle of a residential area. You will find them in a commercial area. And because of this, creditors and others recognize that if you're a real business, you will be in a commercial area. You can start out in a residential area, but when you can't afford it, move to a commercial area and you'll find that you'll be getting or be able to get larger and larger lines of credit for your corporation. Uh, one of the last parts, phone number. And this is where a lot of people ask a lot of questions about. I always suggest that the client start with, if you can't have your home phone number, start with a cell phone number first. But as quickly as you can, get a landline phone. Now you say, well, why is that important right now in the history of cell phones? Well, one of the biggest data corporations that most people don't know about is called AT&T. and t has been keeping records on people since phones have been around. Um, and with that phone, you have to think as if you're a major corporation. Does Microsoft operate off a cell phone? Does uh, <laughs> Penney's or so? They, no, everyone has a landline. So if you're going to be taken seriously, you have to have a landline. Now, what I would suggest is that uh, you can set up one through, let's say, CenturyLink or AT&T. Um, when you have a chance, even when you're financially available, uh, set up a landline. And with that landline, it's going to report in databases because the age in which we live now, everything is about the database. If you're not in the database, you kind of like don't exist. Okay. So those are the very first points that i want to start out with for setting of the Corporation. Do you have any questions? Do you want to ask about that at all, Kristen?
0: So I think a good one for them, and this mm-hmm. was a big learning lesson for me around uh, the commercial versus residential. When you talk about commercial, you're not talking about getting a P.O. box at UPS. You're actually talking about getting a commercial the mailing address, yes,
1: correct. Right, right, and you don't want a P.O. box because they keep track of P.O. boxes. Now, mm-hmm. the U.S. government start recognizing this, and they do have what they call enhanced P.O. box, which means that you can get a address for that P.O. box, mm-hmm. um, which is really good. Like here in Portland, there's something at uh, the airport, the address is 7640 Northeast Airport Way, and then you can use a box to raise your unit. However, if you are getting more and more money and more cash flow, even if it's a small place, I would definitely get a commercial address somehow um, Mm -hmm. for the business because you're going to, you need to be doing real business things. Most businesses that are growing have a commercial address. They're not doing out of a garage or the back of your home. Now you can, in some areas do that, but it's specified in in certain information about what we call uh, residential slash commercial areas like outside certain cities. However, It's been my experience that it's best to separate your home from your business. Again, you work for your business. Um, You're not your business. A lot of, I know your customers are figure that they are their business, but they're not. They work for their business. Correct. Does that kind of make sense?
0: That? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then the same thing with the phone. He's not talking about guys. Something I want to reiterate, he's not talking like a VOIP. So not Google voice, but an actual like concrete landline dedicated phone number.
1: That's exactly right. Um, and it doesn't cost that much money, but you're doing it because of databases and you'll be taking a lot more seriously when you sit down and talk with banks and other financial institutions about the company. Also, if you're going to sell the company, um, it's easier to sell because you can say, well, here's our phone number. It's not a home number. It's not my cell phone number. It's the actual number we've had around for a number of years, and they can go back and verify it. You know, it's not a VOIP line or anything like that, but it's an mm-hmm. actual landline. You want that for credit.
0: Yes, exactly. Okay.
1: Nice. This yeah. <laughs> well,
0: is a, a good starting point. It's a really good starting point, all the things, guys, what he just said.
1: Also, can you let, uh, can you let your clients know also that all this information – um, we can send this to them as a PDF, mm-hmm. so they don't worry about writing it down. They can just—I have it all typed out for them, so they can just go over it. Perfect.
0: Yeah, what we'll do, guys, is in the show notes, Charles, I'll put your direct email link, and people can just email you there and get the PDF download directly from you. And also put okay. your phone number in there, too, so they can ask you any questions and hop on the phone with you really quick to clarify anything.
1: Yeah, i want a few, and I didn't know this until um, I'm consulting with somebody today, and they were so surprised because they said, Charles, you give us so much free information, and you don't charge us. <laughs> I said, well, I can <laughs> charge you later, but right now, I said, I'm not because you don't know enough and yeah. it's, it, people get upset and you charge them and they, they're thinking one thing and you're thinking another and they come to a different conclusion. I yeah. want to make sure you're happy. I want to make sure that you get fully funded, not just yeah. halfway funded.
0: Um, That's what you did point. to me. You spent like two hours on the phone with me. And then I came back to you. Then you charged. Me <laughs> <laughs> it I'm worked, playing. Charles. It worked. Hey man, no, you're, you know, I'm going to say it again. Like you saved my bacon or oh, a few uh, times uh, over the last three years Christ
1: well, I, 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 I appreciate that <laughs> I, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs>
0: like, I mean like people just see the outward success but like at the end of the day too like Charles knows like the inner dirty workings of a lot of money in student loans I had and trying to get those finagled out and then my own personal credit stuff man he, he saved we my bacon. Should,
1: you know Krista maybe later on we'll have a um, maybe a podcast on student loans because I got some information about that.
0: How about, Na- about not how about Navian? How about loans getting discharged? Tell me about that fucking thing, Charles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little salty around that because I just paid them a hundred thousand fucking
1: dollars over oh, two years. But consider yourself fortunate. You do you let me let me ask you how much do you think that students owe right now, former students owe to student loans right now? Aggregate as the US
0: collect collectively or per yeah, collectively. person? Oh, God, trillions.
1: 1.7. Mm. And guess what? It's the U.S. government's biggest asset at this time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they plan on collecting every single dollar of that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I, wanted, I, want, I will talk about it separately because I have some inside information um, that if somebody wants to settle their student loans or greatly reduce their student loans. We can talk about that, too, and how to do that.
0: Yeah. Listen to him on that one. Please. Yeah. So that's, that's a whole separate one.
1: Though. That's, a separate <laughs> that's a
0: whole separate one. conversation. Yeah. yeah I, I just, I, I saw the whole news with Navient and I'm like, I'm a little salty right now about this one. <laughs> 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 a little salty on that one. Um, so yeah, let's talk about those databases, those beautiful databases that you are known for knowing oh, inside out goodness. of those.
1: I you know something, I learned this the hard way because I didn't know. See, a lot of this information, I didn't pay someone to know, to teach me. I had to learn this myself. That's why I'm kind of like, oh, so these people. But databases are what really rules everything. I mean, we're living in the Google age right now, Facebook age, Instagram age, you know, WhatsApp and TikTok. Those are all databases. Um, so I'm going to go over those slowly. And I'll tell you why each one is important. The first one is Dun & Bradstreet. Dun & Bradstreet has been around since the 1800s and is one of the world's largest depositories of business information. You have to get a D&B number after you start your corporation. D&B is free. You can go to uh, db.com and you can uh, get a free D&B number. Now, the caveat is, is that they will try to sell you something. At every turn, do not... <laughs> He said, do not say anything, Curse, don't curse at them, don't say anything mean to them, just say, politely, just say, thank you, but no thank you. The reason why is that d for years used to be free. Oh, man, it was free. Then they had this one president, I can't think of his name, he said, hey, you know, in order to get more money, uh, we'll start charging people, why are we giving this away for free? So that's what he started doing. Um, the reason why I know this is because I used to get free D&B numbers all the time, years ago. And because of that, they have a hard sell on every person. But you don't have to do that, though. You can get your free DNB number. Just ask them and just uh, respectfully decline every sales attempt that they try to make towards you. They call your number, just decline. But you mm-hmm. want to get a, a DNB number. The second thing you want to get is that you want to be in directory assistance. And let me give you a story behind directory assistance, That um, how I found this out. I had a client that was quantifying for, it was about 35000 or so with Wells Fargo. He went in, um, had all the right information, everything that we set up, and Wells Fargo declined him. And he was kind of upset. So he called me up and says, you know something, I got 25000 from so-and-so, but Wells Fargo turned me down. Do you know why? I said, I don't know. So I went back did some research, and I came back, and I asked him, I said, are you a directory systems assistance at all? He says, what do you mean? I said, well, if I call 411 in New York City and ask for your business in Portland, Oregon, do you come up in directory assistance? Because I had found out that a lot of the banks subscribe to directory assistance because if you're a real company, you register your business in directory assistance so other people can find you. Well, he went ahead and registered in directory assistance. I think it's the address is, I think, 411.com or I don't have it in front of me right now. But he went ahead and registered. And then he went back and reapplied at Wells Fargo three weeks later and got the $35,000. That was a lot of credit. And the whole problem was he was not in directory assistance. And then I, I went back and figured out and I found out that that's is AT&T, part of the AT&T system. And I tell my customers, please be in directory assistance. Your clients, so important that they're in directory assistance for any kind of credit. It's, it's really important. Uh, the third thing I had mentioned before was landline versus cell phone. We kind of covered that. Uh, you want to be in a landline system again one of the largest database in the country again AT&T uh, they track a lot of this uh, for, you know Verizon and uh, T-Mobile and Sprint um, they were all part of the old Bell you know system AT&T before they broke up in 1984 under the Judge, Judge uh, Green agreement which was the breakup of the R box to call regional Bell operating companies um, and then they all became cell phone companies through from Singular to PacWest to now Verizon and everything else. Well, the databases, though, stay the same. That's what they don't talk about. So you want to get in the databases, and so you want your company to be registered in the databases. The next one, and this is really important also, is Experian business. Not Experian for yourself or FICO score, Experian business. Now, here's, I'm not going to give you all the information, but here's some, you can do your own research on this. I asked my clients, I said, do you think Experian is a U.S. company? And most people say, yeah, of course, it's U.S. Charles. I said, nope. <clears throat> Experience is not a U.S. company. Experience is a foreign company. Most people don't know that. Mm-hmm. It's registered in the U.K. Most people don't know that either. Not only is it registered in the U.K., but they, they work very closely with the Bank of England. Are you familiar with like the Bank of England, Kristen?
0: Yes, I am.
1: Okay. Well, here's always ask my clients. Um, There's a saying in high school that I always said, the uh, the sun never set on the British Empire. When Britain was ruling the world from Hong Kong through China to India, uh, throughout different parts of Africa, as well as the Cayman Islands, Bermuda, and everything else, they would leave physically. They would not leave financially. So the ruling bank over a lot of these countries was the Bank of England, or including Canada. That's why you see the... Um, the queen on Canadian money, part of the mm-hmm. Bank of England. Well, Experian is very closely tied to uh, the Bank of England. And in fact, they're so closely tied that the Bank of England, uh, one of their offices is located on Experian Way, right near Experian headquarters. Well, if you're going to get credit, you want to make sure that your information is in that system, which is the Experian business system. It's very easy also to join. You can just... Um, go online um, to Experian, look up Experian business, and you can have someone there at the county put your information in, but you want to definitely get into the database. Uh, the next one is um, Equifax Small Business. It's called Small Business Financial Exchange. I found out about this because we're doing some heavy research for a client, and I said, I never heard of this database before. I said, what is it? SBFE? come to find out it's a secret database of of information shared by banks only. This is not open to the public. However, you can influence what's going to be in that database. And I can go over with that later with you. But basically, it's you writing them, telling them you're a new corporation, and that you want your information included to the database so they can put it in. But it's not a database that's open to the public, but it is for banks to share information among each other about fraud and things like that, identity theft, things like that. It's called again Equifax Business, also known as SBFE, Small Business Financial Exchange. The next one, you probably have heard of this one, is called NAV. And one of the things that I learned is that with this whole financial crisis we're going through right now, not financial crisis, but the whole COVID thing, mm-hmm. is a lot of people are going for the PPE money, um, which yep. is the government money, to help get yep. their small business owners out. Well, they have a score there that only NAV has. And the reason why I know this personally is because they called, I talked with them and I talked with one of their vice presidents there at NAV. It's called the FICO SBSS score. The FICO SBSS score stands for FICO for Isaac and Company, um, Small Business Scoring Service. This is very, very important because if you're applying for an SBA loan, this is the only score that they recognize to approve you or um, disapprove you for a loan. If you go on to NAV and you look up your company and your score is below 160, even though you qualify for an SBA loan, they will turn you down flat. You have to have a score at least above 160. Now, how do I know this and how can you check it to be sure? The SBA has something called Standard Operating Procedure, SOP. Mm-hmm. If you check out the SOP for the SBA, and I don't know the page number is right now. They go over what score is, is needed in order to approve you for an SBA loan. The SOP is usually not for customers. It's usually for banks only. But you can look it up online. since It's a government document. And you just go over um, and look up the FICO SBS score and have Google help you out. And you'll find out what the score is. Well, mm-hmm. NAV is the only company in the U.S. that carries a score. And the reason why no, again, because I asked the vice president, I said, can I get it anywhere else? He said, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the only place to get it. So, and most people don't understand why that's so, for me, it's I don't like it. It's because you're controlling a nation of 300 million people with one score yeah. with one corporation. Yeah. Think about that. A nation yeah, of 300 million with one score from one corporation. And if you don't pass it, then what? We turn you down. Yeah, Nav is uh, controls um, a lot of the small businesses, but what they don't. What I do is that uh, I again, I go back to my back physics background. I'm very brass mm-hmm. tax. I go mm-hmm. down to what's starting, okay, and I try to reduce all of the fluff down to what's necessary, okay. Mm-hmm. And I found out because I have a whole other course on how to get an SBA loan. Uh-huh. I found out how to do it. I found out a lot of back end information, and I found out exactly what you needed. And if you don't have this exact information, it will turn you down. that's one thing that really upset me because a lot of people you we're know, going over right now—they know nothing about this at all. I mean, they know yeah. nothing about this. And if you want to find out about it, people—I mean, just another story. I'm not gonna talk about. It. Anyway, <laughs>
0: yeah, you you have a lot of the background knowledge of how fucked up our our systems are in this country. Sides, yeah, it's, especially it's, finances, it's fair fair, yeah. but
1: yeah, I don't, I mean, anyway, so let me go yeah. on. Okay, then we have two things trade credit versus uh financial credit. The world of corporate credit, business credit is ruled by two sides you have mm-hmm. business credit and you have corporate credit, excuse me, uh, financial credit and trade credit. Yep. Trade credit is credit you'll get from, let's say, Uline or Gemplers, in order to just do trade, you know, one goods to another. Um, mm-hmm. you can just instead of spending cash, he says, okay, we have, um, you know, 15 sinks. You can get, a, we'll give you these sinks for 30 days to pay us. And you go, Okay, great. That's fine. Fun, uh, the financial credit is where you're going to a bank like a Wells Fargo, a U.S. bank, um, an ally bank. And you're saying, okay, I need to get 25,000 for my business. That's financial credit. And so there's two sides. And the reason why I mentioned this is because often they're talked about as if they're the same and they're not. You need to build both sides of the house. However, the most important side for most people is a financial credit, but they get that mixed up with the trade credit. And I try to break down both and why they're both important. Now, uh, the next one up for databases is making sure you're in Google, Bing, Yahoo directories. I shouldn't have to say more, but there's a reason why I say that's because a lot of the banks and the financial institutions subscribe to the Googles and Bings and Yahoos of the world. It's very simple um, to get your information in there, but you make sure your information is in there. Uh, Social media accounts, you should have, even if you never use them, you should have a Facebook, at least a Twitter account, an Instagram account, even have a TikTok account or a Snapchat account. You don't have to use it. Just have the account because, again, it goes into a database and it shows that you're doing real business, that you're in the databases. Uh, Companies that are not in business or not doing business are usually not in these databases because they figure it's not important. It is important um i shouldn't mm-hmm. say that more for just the age that we should live in the next one is um making sure you have an email address for your company as well too preferably in your name if not if you start with a gmail account which i did for years um just go ahead and use that but when you have a chance maybe call GoDaddy. get you uh, make sure that your website name is at least in your name of your email so for example if i had a, a business like um i don't know uh dog street or something and i was uh the dog renovator or something, dog house renovator, I would have to make sure that I have charles at dogstreet.com. So just keep that in mind. That goes into mm-hmm. a database. And I can tell you a database it goes into at the end of this so that you can check for yourself. Uh, the next one we're coming to is make sure that you have your state, county, and local licenses. Those go into databases. You can register for those. Make sure you have those. Banks check those as well as the financial institutions. All right. Now, have I said too much so far? Because we're only halfway no, through. No,
0: this is, this is good. This is such good stuff. This is such good stuff. I'm like, absor- I always reabsorb this stuff. So I love it. I Absolutely. Love. I'm, like, yes. I'm like, as you're going through the checklist, I'm like, yes, yes, yes.
1: Okay. I, I want to make sure because I want to help people. And often they, a lot of people don't have time to listen to the full podcast. That's why I want to make sure the PDF is available so they can go through mm-hmm. it and call me later and ask questions. And, absolutely. And absolutely. Uh, the next thing coming up is baking relationships. And this is really important. Um, and this is, in my opinion, kind of pivotal on how much money you get or don't get based on your relationships, like everything in life. Mm-hmm. The first thing I always suggest to one of my clients is that I say, make sure you have at least three banks that you're with. You can have one primary bank, but your information is either one or two banks, either a national bank or two more smaller banks. The reason why every bank has a different personality. I also know this for sure as a first person is because I worked with different banks on business credit because often they would bring me in to help teach a client about business credit. So let's say that you're trying to close an account with a client for hundred thousand dollars and they have some things they don't understand. The bank would bring me in and says, Charles, can you talk to him about his business credit so that we can go ahead and get him this line of credit? Because I really don't have time. So I will go through, ask him certain questions and, um, Look up for certain answers, maybe file some paperwork so they can go ahead and close a $100,000 line of credit. This is important also because every bank has a different personality. Not every bank wants to work with uh, the dog um, trainers or with animal trainers. You have to find out that for sure. Just like if you start a restaurant, you got to find out, is my bank or the bank I'm going towards like a U.S. bank, are they for restaurants? Are they for construction companies? Are they for plumbers? They may not be. You need to find that out. And then get with a bank that is going to be for your industry. It may sound kind of strange or different because you would think all banks are the, are the same. They're not. So the, clo- the quicker you can find out if that bank is going to be for you, the better it will be for you in the long run. And that's one reason why a lot of businesses have problems now because they're with the wrong bank. Uh, I had a customer just recently. They were with how many banks? There were three banks and I uh, was in Seattle. They were with um, the with Boeing uh, was a Boeing was a Boeing financial credits institution. Um, it was the U S bank. It was bank of America and another bank. But anyway, one of the banks didn't like how he did business or because he was in the financial services industry. So they cut his line of credit. And he told me, I said, well, that should be a problem. You're with other banks, aren't you? Because we suggested that you go with like at least three or four different banks. He goes, no. I was like, I said, why you? Anyway, so lesson learned for him. So you want to be with at least three banks. Also, you want to be with three banks also is because we'll talk about lines of credit with each one of those banks as well. Now, in order to get the kind of credit that you want and to get away from personal guarantee, because there's ways to personally guarantee debt and there's personal way for your corporation to guarantee the debt, which is two different things, uh, you want to use what they call a corporate resolution. Long story short, corporate resolution is a permission slip for your corporation to borrow money or enter into any kind of either financial or legal um, contract with another institution. Uh, you can look these up for free. Uh, just go to Google and put in corporate resolution for, let's say, checking account, corporate resolution to borrow money, corporate resolution to get line of credit. Has the information there. Uh, your board of directors or the people who own your corporation all they do is sign off on it. You present it to the bank when you're borrowing money, getting a credit card. What it does for you, it protects you just in case that uh, the credit card or the line of credit is used for fraud. You can prove to them, like, nope, we have the information here. You can't come against me personally for this because our corporation into this agreement with you. So let's talk insurance. Let's talk other ways. That's why you want to use uh, res- corporate resolutions. It protects you and protects the other person also, which is the bank. Again, you can get that for free at Google. Just Google Corporate Resolutions for any instrument you're looking at. The next one is that you want to make sure you have a business check savings account with the bank. Again, it goes into databases for the banks. Uh, the first thing the bank is going to ask, if you're asking for something, are you a customer of the bank you know, or a friend of the bank? You want to say, yes, I have, I have a check account or I have a savings account with um, you want to know that, again, the, if the bank is for your industry, which I said previously, you want to develop a personal relationship with that bank. And what I do in my corporate credit sheets, I always ask my customers to make sure that you have the name of the manager of the bank branch you're dealing with, their address, their phone number, and their fax number, just to keep your fax coming over. And also just in case you need to ask some questions regarding your, your corporation as well, too. Uh, often a person doesn't know, I ask them, what bank are you with? I say, well, Bank of America. Okay. Who's the manager there? Uh, I don't know. Well, (laughs) that doesn't help you out. If you have a problem, you need to have that person's information. Um, The next thing is that um, if you're going to, and I know I'm going off a lot of information through this podcast, but also if you're going to get larger lines of credit, there's certain things that you have to have in place. Uh, for the corporation. And one of those things is making sure that you're using accurate information and or you're using projections for the company. Here's an example. Let's say I'm a dog trainer and I I like Charles' information. I'm putting money aside. I want to get a large, a large line of credit and I can pay back through cash flow. Uh, I go to the bank and the bank asks me, well, it's okay, it's great, your information is looking really good. How much do you plan on making this year? You're like, oh, I... Don't know. Well, hopefully through research, there are ways of you finding out that this past year, upcoming year, that you plan on doing 200,000 projections. Well, based on 200,000, they're going to look at that, and they'll give you a lot of credit based on that projection. Usually, it's 10% of the projection. If everything is okay, usually 10%. But make sure you know your your yearly projections, not just your past, but your projection of company, because usually banks want to deal with companies that are growing. And you always want to have the perception that you are growing, not really staying the same. So, even you know, if you're growing by ten percent per year, you are growing. Um, if you're regressing, it brings a um, it brings a pause with the bank because if you're regressing, you may not be able to pay your bills. Therefore, we not might not be able to give you money. So, you always want to show a projection of we are growing. And part of that is when they're asking for the projection for the upcoming year, don't be too liberal, but just say, you know, this upcoming year we plan on doing. Two hundred thousand, maybe three hundred thousand dollars, based on X, Y, and Z information. Um, am I going too fast, Kristen, or am I going too
0: far? No, this is good. You know, I was just—I just wrote this down to make a note of it. Like, uh-huh. this seems like a lot of information that he's doling out. But one thing I do want to say, and this is going to sound like such an old school, like NBC After School Special. The knowledge that he's giving you right now is incredibly empowering and powerful. So just if you guys have to go back, re-listen to it, if you want the PDF, just email him. And it might seem very overwhelming. And I know finances is not as sexy as a lot of us want it to be to somebody like Charles and to data, like somebody like that. It's amazing. But what he's giving you guys is incredible. Incredibly up, not even just the wealth of the money, but the wealth of knowledge that you can use. This is very this is the delineation from those that do this business and those that retire comfortably when they're 65 yes, years old.
1: Yes. I would agree with that. I agree with that 110%. Yes. I agree with 110%. So,
0: 110%. so you're not gonna be 85 years old, and you know, I, I want to actually share a super quick story. Like you're not gonna be mm-hmm. 85 years old. And worrying how you're going to take care of your husband when he comes out of the nursing home because you have no money. I just, oh, I had that conversation. Yeah, I had a conversation with wow. a, a family friend, my mom's family friend, and she's 85 years old. She was horrible with her cash. She was one of those people, I'm horrible with cash. 85 years old, and she doesn't know how to, she's out of money. And this is the delineation from, you guys being, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. This is from playing entrepreneur to being financially successful and actually creating wealth, not just making a million dollars a year, but actually having a balanced portfolio that you can retire on and take care of yourself with.
1: I agree with that. 110%, yes.
0: 110%. Okay. Well, that was my little rant. That's my little okay. rant about <laughs> this type of, well, it's just, it's, you know, maybe cause I am getting older too, but this is just something that we don't, think about as much and plan for as entrepreneurs because I bet you any one of these motherfuckers that are listening Charles if maybe maybe one out of a hundred if I get on the phone with them and I'm like hey and I'm talking about your sales process or Emily's talking about your your money and your cash what's your retirement plan in 25 years like are you in like yeah anyway all right I'm gonna stop I'm gonna let you talk
1: you're okay. the expert okay okay <laughs> <laughs> right. um, this probably ties back back into what I was talking about with the uh, credit and databases but One thing that I want to talk about also is the FICO score. That's one thing. uh, There's so many falses in FICO scores, but I'm going to keep it really simple and strange. Any FICO score you see is not the FICO score the bank uses. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you how I found this out the hard way. Uh, And I'm going to tell you some of my business, one of the businesses that I was uh, part of. Uh, we were going for a loan portfolio with Associated Bank out of Wisconsin that was $260 million. We were looking at selling the portfolio because I was able to acquire the portfolio because the bank was unable to sell it. Uh, we approached a bunch of banks with the information. Um, most of the, almost all, actually all of the scores on the portfolio were above 700, which I thought was really interesting. So in selling the portfolio, we can charge... Um, they call it prime plus one or two point prime is usually interest rate that the, the U um, S government charges, treasury department charges plus 1% on top of that. So let's say prime right now is like 2.65%. Um, we can charge 3.65% on this portfolio. Well, I asked the, the, um, the bank officer, I said, I noticed all these FICO scores. Are these real FICO scores or not? He goes, Oh yeah, these are our FICO scores, but basically they're not the customer FICO score. I said, what do you mean? He said, any FICO score you see, the bank takes off 20 to 50 points off the top of that score to get your real score. That's why when you apply for, let's say a credit instrument, you'll see minimum 720 FICO score. I'm sure you've seen that. They take off 20 points to make sure you're above 700. They call it prime. Or you'll notice like with BMW, if you're an excellent customer, you'll have a FICO score at least 760 because they take off 50 points uh, for defaults and things like that to make sure you're a prime customer. In the world of the bank, there's only really two scores. That's above 700 and below 700. If you're above 700, you're prime. If you're below 700, you're subprime. And they have to, when they're selling the instrument, have to take off more and more uh, points or value off that portfolio. So in order to get a close to real score that the bank will see, you're going to have to pay for it. They do not get this out for free. And most people get it, don't, don't know that. The places you pay for that it's called myfico.com. It's owned by the FICO Corporation. Uh, you can get your score for Experian, Equifactor, TransUnion. They used to charge separately for the score, but they changed their model to a subscription-based model. So now it's between $30 to $45 per month in order to get your scores. What I would suggest you do is I would pay the minimum, which is $30, and then cancel, and you can get all three of your scores. And there are, those are going to be close to some of the scores the bank uses. But again... Each institution is different. Each institution will take anywhere between 20 points to 50 points off of any score that you see because the bank uses a different scoring system than the consumer. And that's really, really important to understand. Again, yeah. a lot of people use, uh, what's the other one, Credit Karma.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Read the fine print of Credit Karma. It's not even a FICO score.
0: Mm-hmm. Most people don't
1: know that. It's called Vantage score. Uh-huh. I, can get into, I can get into Vantage and why Vantage came about. So they came about because FICO is making so much money. Mm-hmm. And FICO Corporation only employs about, I think what was it? Um, There's only 3,000 people, in it, but they use like, uh, they're employed in over, I would say it's over 5 billion decisions per year They use the FICO score. So for each decision, each 5 billion decision, they, they get a, a certain dollar fee. Okay. So the the three credit bureaus got really jealous about that. So they were going to come up with our own scoring system. The only problem with that is that when you're putting in a large portfolio, let's say your home mortgages, your car loans, personal loans, they sell those portfolios to other institutions around the world. It's not just going to the U.S. So they might sell it to a German teacher fund or a Japanese you know, retirement fund. Okay, they, they score it by looking at the FICO score because the FICO score is known as a score known around the world that works closely with central banks. The Vantage score is not. The Vantage is a U.S.-based scoring system. Okay. So in the US, there's this thing, big thing, especially going back to schooling, is that we feel that we're judged by a score. So they, they took the whole thing and said, okay, if they judge by a score, we'll just come up with our own score and we'll make it close to FICO, but the consumer won't know the difference. And that's the truth. They don't know any difference because most people don't read the fine print. So it's it's to me, it's, um, I'm kind of upset about it, but because a lot of people place their life in their, and their belief and their hard work and their sweat into these scores. The scores mm-hmm. don't mean anything. Yeah. And Chris, am I, am I tell. I mean, yeah, my no,
0: okay? Yeah, you're fine. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah you know. I agree. I agree. People put too much emotional, emotional attachment around the credit score too. And like you said, they don't mean anything. And what's really interesting about the my FICO score is my bank actually pulls on my from my FICO. And mm-hmm. if I go into my bank account right now to check my balances or whatnot. And then I, I, I and I have it next to Experian.com. Wow. Those scores are like almost 100 points different, basically.
1: Yeah, they're different. And not only that, but the FICA score is not static. It's dynamic.
0: Mm-hmm. It changes every effing day almost.
1: It does right. because you're paying down debt. You have more in your checking account. You're doing other things. Yeah, It's crazy. But yeah. people's lives are judged by this. And, yeah. I mean, you have a nation of 300 million people. Based on these simple scores, yeah. and that's a whole other. I'm not going to get into it. That's a whole other thing there too. I did a lot of research in the FICO and why and all
0: that. Yeah. Kind of stuff. Well, that's also too. I remember we were talking about last week. I was like, I got to fucking be in my bonnet about the whole thing when I went to purchase out my lease, and I'm like, people like the power that people feel like they have, like they have no control over the U.S. financial system, and you know, just by giving giving my listeners a taste of this it's, again, it's the power that you are able to get back and you don't have to have that emotional, emotional liability around it. I I don't know. We're not going to go into a whole, we can talk about that in another conversation, (laughs) but, but I'm just saying like, this is the stuff that is not something like conspiracy. This is the stuff that is built to suppress, you know, our financial systems and our, our consuming power, different marginalized communities too. That's a whole other story, but Keep talking, man. I'm going to let you... No, I'm but it's a talk, lot of that, too. One
1: of the yeah. things that, that really got me recently was the... Um, and this is... Uh, I'll try to stay off topic, but I'm going to stay on topic, but it's the car loans that they're saying that depreciating value, that mm-hmm. they want to say, oh, you want 72 months to pay off a car? 72 months? Are you kidding me? That's six years. to pay off mm-hmm. a depreciating asset at $400 a month. It's just crazy. I mean, I was going... Over, oh, my goodness. I... I'm just talking because I'm thinking about this thing that I worked on. Um, We have a company here in Portland. I can't give out the name of it, Mm -hmm. but it's one of the stores that it's a furniture store that you've seen in other places around the country. Same type of store, not the same name, same type of store. Mm -hmm. Uh, You see on late night TV and TV says, Hey, we'll give you um, uh, furniture, you know, your, your dining room and living room set all for no interest for the next four years. Right. Um, And I started looking at that model and saying, how can you not charge people interest for the next four years in a bunch of furniture? Well, number one, the furniture is cheap furniture because the furniture is not really uh, what's pushing this whole thing. It's the interest rates. Mm -hmm. So I started doing some uh, research on the interest rates, and I found out that if you miss one payment within those four years, guess what? All the interest rate becomes due. Yep. Think about that. So if you have it at 26% because they're high interest rate, And you're you're three years in and you miss one payment. Guess what? Three years worth of interest now becomes due. I found out that these companies are making outrageous sums of money off cheap furniture. And then I found out that the people behind it are actually the banks. (laughs) Ain't that a motherfucker. (laughs) No, seriously. Because what most people don't do, they don't need to find print. Mm-hmm. And I start. This how this happened. So start. leading to the fine print. So
0: yeah, if you can't yeah. stay away
1: from cheap furniture, just if you if you're gonna use your cash, just buy furniture outright and just pay for it. But absolutely stay away from high interest rates and all that other stuff. I At can't At least even with imagine. business credit, huh?
0: It's so predatory, too. It's yes. Literally, yes. it's just incredibly predatory because the market they're marketing to. It, oh. I'm going to stop because I'm just getting really fucking
1: frustrated about this. Why don't you be frustrated? So, because you had to finish the podcast. Yeah.
0: Anyway, you're like, yes, well, let me finish, Kristen, because I don't want you to go on a rant. Please go on. But it's just, okay. it's so predatory. It's just, mm. anyway.
1: Well, now I'm going to give you, and thank you for leading in with the predatory, because now I'm giving you some information that's going to help you and help your customers. Yes. It's what I call my super secret. So, the with super, the super secrets, you can reduce a lot of this down to a very short period of time, and you can put yourself far ahead of everyone else. Here's number one super secret, te- and I have about nine, eight or nine super secrets. Uh, the first secret secret is that your checking account average balance determines your credit line. Most people mm-hmm. don't know that. They think it's the FICO score. FICO score determines part of it. It's like a gateway, the FICO score, but your your credit line is determined by how much you have in your checking account tied to your corporation. Okay, so. There's a back in the envelope thing you can do. If you're looking for $100,000, they're looking at either 45% per month that you can um, that you can pay down this line of credit. So if it's $100,000 at 4%, it's $4,000. They're looking at you having an average daily balance over 90 days of $4,000 in your checking account. If you want larger lines of credit, you have to put more into your checking account. I found this out through all my customers and everyone else. This is a, a real thing. So this is like one of my stupid secrets. But super secret number two is that smaller banks usually give larger lines of credit. Your Bank of America's, U.S. Bank, J.P. Morgan Chase—they usually um, want to look at other information. Uh, eventually, smaller banks don't are much more liberal with larger lines of credit. So that's why I suggest going with two or three, maybe more uh, banks, but just make sure that the banks you're dealing with are smaller banks, um, and you can talk with your commercial loan officer there. Uh, but you want to stick with smaller banks for larger lines of credit. That's really important. Uh, The next one is cash flow and deposits will accelerate your credit lines. The reason why I say that is even though you have a large bank balance uh, in your checking account, if you can prove cash flow and you can uh, prove your deposits, like you're depositing more and more money, the banks will look at that like, again, you're growing, We want to be part of it. We can give you a larger line of credit because we can see that you can pay off or supplement or, uh, you know, at least um, service this line of credit. So keep that in mind. You can write that down. also. Smart cash flow and deposits will accelerate your credit lines. Uh, Here's a biggie right here. And I found this out. This is like from one of my uh, multimillion dollar customers. Um, Quick story with him. He had a company, but it was very small at the time. We got him over to a million plus in lines of credit. And one of the accelerators for him was that uh, he was going for, well, long story short, what he did is that he sold books at pennant around the world, I mean, around the U.S. And uh, he needed a copier. And so the copier was $30,000. But he says, you know, I don't have $30,000 to on a copier. So I told him, I says, look, just talk to the, uh, the sales manager that you want to buy it under your corporation. You don't want to personally guarantee it. You just want your corporation to guarantee it, and you'll pay the monthly payment on it. He says, okay, I'll do that. He did, and they did. So what happened is that on his credit report, it showed a $30,000 item on his report that was being paid on time. Well, when other creditors saw that, they said, hey, if one person gave him 30000 we can give him 30000 And that's exactly what happened. And because of that, he just grew and grew and grew his lines of credit to over a million dollars in lines of credit. Because with that, I remember mean, he went to the uh, Lexus dealership. He wanted a car on his corporation. And in the Toyota Corporation, which owns Lexus, they gave him $150,000. as a line of credit for his corporation for cars. And he said, well, wow, I don't need $150,000. I just want to lease a car. And he says, oh, yeah, you yeah, have great credit. We can see it in your corporation. Um, we can do a monthly, his out-of-pocket was very minimal. And he was very happy to have like a 2000, I think it was 2018, 2019 uh, top of the line like this under corporation that he didn't have a personally guarantee. So he's pretty happy about that. The next one is, um, if you're gonna grow your credit, I tell my clients, let's say that you're going for half a million dollars in lines of credit. You don't wanna use more than initially 10% of that credit until you get there. So let's say, for example, if you're building to half a million and you're building, 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 you don't want to use hardly of that credit at all because a credit line is a line of future promise. It's not like a loan. A loan means that you're taking bank's money today. A line of credit is a, a, a line of future promise that you're going to, going to get money, but it's not a loan today. And because of that, if you don't use any more than 10%, you'll always be showing that large corporations are trusting you with lines of credit and if they're trusting you we can trust you too and so that's why we see a lot of credit matching they'll give you twenty five thousand, they'll also give you twenty they they'll give you another twenty five thousand from for the corporation but you keep asking for that until you get to your let's say half a million dollars think you can start using it um also too that banks work on 90-day cycles so if they work on 90-day cycles you can start increasing your credit lines every 90 days. As long as you're paying on time, you can increase your credit lines every 90 days and use less than 10% of your credit line. So if you have $25,000, that means you're not using more than $2,500. You're paying on time. But every 90 days, you're calling the bank manager and saying, hey, you know, Sally, Tom, Charles, whatever. I want to increase my credit line. And they'll look at it and they'll talk to you underwriting. And more than likely, they will increase that, that credit line. Just depending on how much you're asking for. So usually I, I tell my customers, this class ask for another, let's say 10, between ten to twenty percent every ninety days. So for twenty five thousand, uh, let's say twenty percent, that would be another five thousand. That would be thirty thousand at the end of uh, the ninety days. Why not? Why that's important is because if you have multiple accounts, you're actually increasing your credit lines by greater and greater amounts. Um, here's a really big one that I would put in my permanent folder. You want to get a report. Um, there's many databases, and I can talk about them all day long, but this is one of my top databases you want to get for your company and for yourself personally. It's called the LexisNexis Full Disclosure. Mm-hmm. A LexisNexis Full Disclosure has information about you, about your company, about your, your neighbors next to you for the, uh, since the age of 18 years old. So if you're an adult, let's say you're 56 years old, since the time you've been 18, there's been a report kept on you since so they have been keeping a lot of these credit reports from the 1970s or so. Um, with that report, we'll have a lot of disturbing information that you didn't think other people were collecting on you. Mm-hmm. This information is you, is yours, uh, because of the Bush administration called the Fact of Fair and Accurate Transaction. Um, part of that bill was the releasing of information of secret databases. Alexis Next will disclose is one of secret databases. You can get that for free. Just Google it online, Lexus Nexus, full disclosure. They'll ask for a copy of your driver's license and utility bill, and they'll send you out a big packet. Um, they'll come to your door. Um, it shocks most people. And this is why I don't like doing it because it scares most people because mm-hmm. that, that file could be anywhere from a quarter inch thick to half an inch thick or more. On
0: you. I got like four of them. <laughs> I got like four separate mailings from them. I was like, how oh, is it ever going to stop? Yeah, well,
1: let me ask you, honestly, what did you think when you first saw the
0: reports? Um, Truthfully, it was disturbing at first, Mm -hmm. but like everything else, if you look at it from a non-emotional standpoint, Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, cool. This is what my life has been financially and everything else. You know what I mean? So it was like, it was When I wasn't prepared at first, and then I put it down, and I kind of hit it for a couple of days. (laughs) I was like, oh my! Like literally, like it had stuff on me in my like my first friggin' checking account when I was mm-hmm. 18 years old. Yeah. I bounced a check. Yeah. I'm like, how do they know that? And just every like even like like as personal relationships I was around, yeah. like it was. I was like, wow. Now, can wow. I tell
1: you it's another secret about that information? Yes. All the information you saw in there, mm-hmm. all of it can be changed. Yep. And because in the fine print it says our information may or may not may or may not be correct. It's up to you, the consumer, to provide the correct information.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's and when you call so Charles. you have
1: the right to go in there and say this is not <laughs> correct. and They'll take it off.
0: Yep. That's when you call Charles, guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the reason I say it too because if you're, let's say that you you've committed fraud and you're applying for mm-hmm. bank line of credit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing on your credit report that says anything about fraud so how do the banks know well this is one of the databases they use in order to find out for fraud Yep,
0: it's
1: on there yep. um, one of the very last things I want to go over is uh, check systems um, I had many not many clients but enough people that said well I can't even open a check account in check systems I bounced a check years ago well you can go in and pay off the balance as long as there is not criminal history and you can be removed from check systems, so you can open up a checking account.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The only reason why these payday loan places exist is because so many people are in check systems. Ah, uh... yeah, because they they go to a Wells Fargo, they apply for a checking account. They says we can't turn you down. You had child support issues. You didn't pay something off. You're like, oh, I don't know about it. So you take now you take your employer's check. You have to go to a check uh, check cashing place. Don't have your cash. Well, guess what? Guess what I found out? Guess what's behind a lot of the check systems, a lot of the, uh, the pay-to-the-loan places? Banks. The banks. <laughs> That's my surprise face. Yeah, it's in the fine print. Yeah. So um, I started taking getting people out of check systems. Mm. If, you can get, anybody can out, if you have a check system problem, just let me know. I can get you out of check systems.
0: Fuck yeah.
1: All right. Wow. So let me go over some of uh, my top three In summation. I, I know mm-hmm. I gave a lot of information. Uh, today and uh, I probably go on for another actually the class I was teaching before was like four hours long that might be four hours today (laughs) (laughs) back over history a lot of people don't know about the history about why because with why it'll tell you where we're at now Mm -hmm. number one is that uh, you want to know your credit score before you get any credit you want to know your uh, business credit you want to know your credit score and again I mentioned that before myfico.com number two you want to get a checking account at a major bank okay um, your credit line is going to be determined by how much money you have your primary account attached to your business, uh, your, to your corporation. So, again, $5,000, if it's an average 90 on, for $5,000, you can qualify for anywhere between $50,000 to $100,000. Most banks won't give you that initially unless you've already had a long you know, relationship with them, but they'll start you out anywhere between $10,000 to $25,000 on a Visa, MasterCard, or they'll give it to you as a standalone credit, all right? Uh, Last, you want to be in the databases. I would spend, it doesn't take a long time, but I would spend a good few days making sure that your your information is all the databases that we talked about, because that's gonna be a determining factor for the banks and other financial institutions giving you lines of credit. Uh, If you want to, again, contact me, feel free to call me. Um, I answer all questions. Um, my phone number is area code 503-896-1474. Again, 503-896-1474. And my email address is charles at businessdata123.com. Again, charles at businessdata123.com. Uh, feel free to contact me anytime, uh, except with phone calls, of course, but send me emails anytime. And uh, I'll get right back to you.
0: Yeah, and everybody... I- I I'm not, I'm going to really, really, really recommend if this is something you want to take seriously and take a non-emotional look at everything that's going on, Charles is the man to connect with. Like I said, he, he's somebody I ultimately trust with, all this type of information. He's the one that, again, I'm going to say it again. He saved my ass many times with financial stuff. Didn't save my ass. He gave me the knowledge to actually save my own ass and help me get through some scary times. With my own personal, my own personal finances, because you know I'm a human too, and I got part of, I got tripped, tripped up into the you know student loan system myself. So. I mean, this is information guys. I know it was a little bit long, but go back, listen to this in the show notes. I'm going to have links, PDFs, just reach out to Charles. He doesn't bite. I swear to God, he's, he's a very nice dude and somebody, Could not I, even I not not nice, kind, kind. What, what would you like to say to Charles? Okay.
1: This is what I recommend all my clients do mm-hmm. because often I'll talk about things and they kind of believe it and they don't kind of believe it. Uh, There's a movie that's free that you can watch. It's only like 20 minutes long, 25 minutes long. It was put out by Frontline PBS, public broadcasting service. It's online for free. The title of the movie is called The Secret History of the Credit Card. Again, The Secret History of the Credit Card. That will open your eyes to so much of what I'm talking about because it goes back to the 1970s when Citibank approached the uh, governor of South Dakota about opening and using their state Brought, um, around usury laws see I, I went back and looked at why we're in, in this situation right now because for your grandparents it was not like this mm-hmm. that's the honest truth they couldn't go to a store and pay with a Visa card MasterCard and there was there was a reason why they weren't charging anywhere between what's uh, 15 to 25 to 30% on a car are you kidding me and taking 7 years to repay it are you kidding me <laughs> But there's another player behind this, and this is really big money, and this is really driving the American consumer, which is is an engine driver for the whole world economy, into more and more and more debt. Mm. Secret history of the credit card is free online at FrontlinePBS.org. PBS stands for Public Broadcasting Service. Your tax dollars have already paid for it, so you should see the movie. Mm.
0: I'm going to check that out tonight. I'm definitely going to check that out one. I oh, we'll another have another conversation it. then.
1: Because <laughs> after you see it, you'll be like, oh, that's what? Why do you think that when you send your bill off, it goes to different states?
0: hmm Yeah. laws. Yeah. Yeah. Where it goes to either, you most of the bills I pay, like my personal credit stuff, like my mm-hmm. personal credit cards that I worked very hard, either go to Delaware or they right. go to Utah.
1: That's right. Because the state laws that allow for a certain usury within those states.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Charles, thank you. You're I mean welcome. this was this is one of those edgy oh, man, this is this is the stuff they do not teach you anywhere else. And that's why I'm just so honored that you took the time today. Because I know, again, you're a very busy man. You got all these amazing, huge clients. So I really appreciate it. And guys, this is, I know it doesn't seem like it's, a, it's not a sexy su- subject where you're not going to make a million dollars in sales or marketing and everything like that. And being tattooed and cursing and getting people that love you into your business. But this is a fundamental element of your business. Like, Like, this is something that, cannot be harped. This is, I dare to say, cash flow and this are the most important parts of a sustainable business that you're going to be able to actually work on for the rest of your <laughs> life without killing yourself. So I'm I'm just honored that you are here, Charles. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. This was just incredible i just i can't wait i don't care how long this was and i want you to come back and we can more rant about the systems and oh yeah (laughs) i I was gonna go on i was gonna go on the the colonizer rant when you were talking about the royal bank of england but i was like nope i'm gonna shut up (laughs) that's a whole other topic but yeah this is good stuff charles i i really appreciate it you know on behalf of the grassroots org and my drone dog business, Charles. Thank you so well, much. Well, I
1: ask you a question. Do you, a lot of your clients, they uh, suffer from student loans?
0: Um, Actually, no, they were smart.
1: Oh, good, good, good. Okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I, if you if you know my history, you know my history, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't get into student loan debt until I got my master's degree and mm-hmm. that, and my master's degree was 40% paid for. But my issue was I went to school, I went to school out of state. I had to spend two semesters up in Boston. And unfortunately at that time, my company did not, I had to take an unpainted absence. My job was still guaranteed, but at that time I didn't have enough, like you don't have, you didn't have enough time to take, you know, to be paid for it. So I had to take personal loans out um, unfortunately, and oh. pay to live in Boston, which was extremely oh. expensive. Uh-huh. And then also to, uh, we were growing Frank's business at that time as well. So, uh, I was maxed out and I tapped into it and I made some bad decisions, but you know, I didn't think there was a light at the end of the tunnel back in 2016 when I started melting down around it, but I'm out of it. And it feels, it's one of the best things ever is to feel good. So it's, but, I was in that generation, the, you know, the late, I'm an elder millennial that put a lot of her financial eggs into the basket. And at that time, when you're, when you're fucking going to student loan, and again, I was, I'm a smart cookie. Like I am. And it, it just, I got over in my head and, you know, I accept it. It's not who it defines me anymore. And, you know, $250,000 is gone. So it took a lot of, thank you. It was one of the best things I've ever did paying off all that stuff. And, you, you know, you laugh at it because my brother's a lawyer and he's like, I don't understand how you got your master's and you paid more than my law degree. And I'm like, <laughs> and like people ask me all the time, they're like, how, how'd you get into a quarter million dollars worth of debt for your master's? I'm like, Hey, I went to one of the most private exclusive colleges up in Boston. I'm not going to even name the name. Cause I don't like to talk about it.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And B I over leveraged myself. I took out way too much money to live on. Um, when I was, you know, you know. It took out way too much money, so it's all good. I mean, doesn't like you said, it doesn't define me anymore. So,
1: anyway, well, I'm fortunate to have paid all my student loans off years ago because I got into sales right after I got out of college, and yep. I put all my money towards that. My brothers do the same thing basically, but I do have other family members that are in. Uh, one of my family members, she's at 275. That's what she owes. Uh, mm-hmm. She's an attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, another cousin of mine, uh, she owes 185. Um, mm-hmm. She was in medical school.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't get my medical or PhD. I just got a master's. Oh, <laughs> like ah, but it, well, that's what every every. I don't want to say I took out two hundred fifty thousand dollars, but after everything's all said and done, it comes out to about two forty eight something. So with interest and everything like that, and all that compounded shit. So, but yeah, it's good. It's part of mm. me, and like I said, if anybody's listening to us and thinking about to get their master's degree, you probably aren't. First and foremost, make sure your company pays for it a hundred percent. Or yes. Ever yes. since, yeah. So, but thankfully. Anyway, well, Charles, thank you so much again. It was an honor. You know, I'm looking forward to speaking to you more about this and bringing you on. I want to get you into our grassroots students group too at some point because I think this is some good information they need and because right? they Almost are. definitely. Oh, most yeah. definitely. Yeah. Cool. All right, Charles. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Have a great night, and thank you again on behalf of everybody.
1: Thank you. You too. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.
0: Hey there, thank you for listening to another badass episode of Mind Your Own Dog Business. If you haven't already subscribed, what are you waiting for? Oh my God, go and subscribe now so you don't miss out on any of our content packed dog business jam sessions, plus special offers that I'm gonna only be sharing with my amazing dog business entrepreneurial podcast listeners. Now, if you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave a five star kick ass review so more amazing dog business owners just like yourself can find us and start to transform and disrupt their businesses and their lives unapologetically. And if you feel so inclined, feel free to tag me on Instagram with a screenshot of this episode and holler at your girl I'm at Dog Walker Coach. You can find me, Dog Walker Coach, and I'll pop up and I'll give you a special shout out. All right, guys, till next time. Bye.